Hello, and welcome to the Subnormal Podcast. My name is Lauren, and this is a podcast where I interview artists with spiritual practices, because sometimes what feeds us artistically is what fuels us spiritually, and sometimes the other way around. Today, I am excited to share with you our first episode with an international artist. Yes, that's right, folks. Today's artist, Janet, comes to us from Vancouver, Canada. Janet is a jeweler, a teacher, a gemologist, and creative who infuses all of her wisdom into her jewelry that is inspired by both astrology and the tarot. Janet runs a small business called Good Sigil, which is honestly the perfect way to describe her work. Janet takes the esoteric imagery of the tarot and condenses it down into a very concise and powerful image. She also recently just successfully finished a Kickstarter for some beautiful astrological symbol signet rings. I highly recommend you check out her work. You can find everything at Good Sigil, all one word. That's spelled Good Sigil, S-I-G-I-L. You can find her on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram under that moniker, as well as her website, goodsigil.com. That's spelled G-O-O-D-S-I-G-I-L. Definitely recommend you check it out, especially if you're like me and a total jewelry junkie and love the esoteric, love astrology, love tarot and just love shiny things. In today's episode, we talk about her journey into tarot, as well as her spiritual journey from childhood into the esoteric magic and wisdom that she channels today. Her journey is absolutely fascinating, and I'm so excited to share it with you today. Of course, all links will be in the description box of this episode. It was such a pleasure talking to Janet and just really understanding where she comes from and also to kind of understand where she is going in the future. And what's so fascinating about this conversation is one of the things she brings up is this idea of working with more planetary elements. And of course, that's exactly what she has done and what she has created with her most recent Kickstarter launch. So make sure you check out those links, check out her work, sign up for the email list so you can know what she's creating next. And before we go forward, a little bit of housekeeping. This podcast is brought to you by my lovely patrons over by Patreon. Link for that is also in the show notes as well. For as little as $1 a month, you too can support this podcast, but not only that, get early access to the recordings without the long-winded intros. There's also other things to tap into, such as creative prompts, monthly circles, coloring pages, and all of that other fun stuff. So once again, check that out on Patreon. That link is in my link tree, also in the show notes. Lastly, I wanted to share that the Big Feelings Coloring Book is now available for purchase online. Up until now, all of my sales have been in person at different events in and around the Philadelphia area. But now, just in time for the holidays, I want to make sure that anyone can get it if they are interested in sharing it with friends, family, or hey, just get it for yourself. You deserve a little bit of self-care and creative magic in your life. But with that said, friends, thank you so much for being here. And let's just dive right in. I am currently working on my, it's become my business, but it actually started as a a Kickstarter project that I did in the summer of 2020. 
but it's um, my tarot card jewelry project. So I've been going through each of the major arcana cards and sort of trying to distill the symbolism from each trump into like very small, they're like two inches, less than two inches long, oval shaped silver pendants. And so those are available on my website. And um, yeah, it's been a really fun project. I didn't really think I would have that much response, but as soon as I did the Kickstarter, it really started to, to take off and people seem really connected to it. So I am enjoying it. Oh, I love that this started as a Kickstarter for you. Um, were you a jewelry, like, I would love to know more about your journey as a jewelry maker, or are you a tarot reader naturally or originally rather? Mm. So the, the tarot story comes first. Mm. Um, and that's kind of a long story. So I could go into that. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then do the jewelry story second, because they're kind of, they're obviously interconnected. But um, I, I originally got my first deck of tarot cards when I was 16. Um, I was actually raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, wow. And so I grew up in a rural community with a lot of other Jehovah's Witnesses and my family. I'm the youngest of four kids. And my mom was really, really into that um, for many years. And we also were like farmers. We were out, we had a cute little Victorian farmhouse. And so I grew up mm. on the land interacting with nature, but also having this really intense, like structured religious life where I went to kingdom hall three times a week four times a week wow and you know went out and evangelized and all that stuff as a child and things changed in my family life when I was around 11 and my mom uh decided to leave slash was uh they call it disfellowshipped but it's like excommunication mm. and so that process was a bit drawn out because I decided to stay involved through like family friends mm -hmm. and eventually when I was 15 I think I stopped going I, I like I had started high school grade 10 um, and I met all of these like cool new weird people and they like were into dyeing their hair crazy colors mm. and so I dyed my hair like basically like ginger spice <laughs> from the Spice Girls. <laughs> I had like bright pink red hair with the blonde stripes in the front. Yes. <laughs> and my mom had already left. And the last time I went to the Kingdom Hall, I remember just getting stared at like I was like the devil's child um, because of this hairdo. And I never went back after that. Mm. And that friendship with that family, I sort of, I lost contact with them and that's okay. You know, some some things don't last forever. But um, yeah, after that, my mom was like, so Janet, spirituality is like a thing that's very fast. And we could go think about other spiritual things. And she took me to a psychic fair at a, oh, this is the best, um, a psychic fair at a like strip small motel hotel off the side of the highway in Calgary where we lived at the time wow. and we went in there and she was like you can get whatever you want just like pick one thing like an aura photo or a astrology reading or like a psychic reading or you know whatever it was the tarot cards for me mm. wow oh um, yeah. this is this is such a huge juxtapose Oh yeah. <laughs> she gave me a lot of tools as a kid that I realized a lot of people don't get. Like I know about plants. I just mm -hmm. know about plants. I know a lot of plants, how to identify them and what they're for and like where they grow and where I grew up is different from where I live now. So I know that 
those plants aren't always here, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, you know, like I didn't grow up with microwave food. I grew up with like really amazing home cooked food that was like made out of ingredients that we grew and meat from our community. And so there was a, she was very, very hippie, freaky, um, but very, you know, very special mother and but also yeah. stars like she introduced me to constellations and we lived in the rural place so you know I could watch the moon phases and so there's there's things that I'm like she gave to me that mm. were not part of my religious upbringing that are still like thorough or like through lines I would say in yeah my, in my like relationship with spirit and the world around me you know mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, it's just fascinating to hear going from a very, and of course, this is maybe some of my assumptions about Jehovah's Witness, because I grew up Southern Baptist, so very different, I think. Um, but from an outsider's perspective, um, Jehovah's Witness feels uh, very structured, whereas spirituality is very go with the flow. How was that transition for you as someone who went from evangelizing? Because as you know, if you believe in Jesus, you need to spread the word if you mm -hmm. love people um, to this whole different place. You know, I was, a, I was always a really avid journaler. Like I wrote a lot as a kid um, and I read a lot too. And I wish I had those journals still from that time, that transitional time between, it was around like 15, because I, I wrote a lot of poetry to God. Wow. <laughs> um, and like, you know, letters to God that were poems. Mm -hmm. Everyone does that, right? When you're a teenager, that's like totally normal. It sounds really beautiful <laughs> to me. I, I like the idea of it. Um, but that I, I had a process, right. And, uh, you know, going things in my family were very tumultuous. And so there were a lot of things that I was upset about and working through, not just my spirituality, but, um, and like my loss of, of that religious community. Right. Um, yeah, I, it was, it's an interesting thing and it's interesting to me now too, because I'm in a phase of my life that sort of reflects that feeling of becoming suddenly untethered and having so many options and, and so many like pings and sparks of, of feeling and connection. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So then to take you from that world to tarot, what was it that attracted you to that specifically? Was it the imagery that kind of got you into it or thinking back to that strip mall off the side of a highway, what, what kind of gravitated you there? Yeah, it was definitely like the, I mean, the Rider Waite Smith, those like primary colors, the strong, I don't know, Pamela Coleman Smith, that artwork is just so it's so incredible and mm -hmm. it's just a world that you can dive into that's that's like all encompassing as soon as I got my hands on on that deck I there was nothing like it, there was nothing else um I was so so into it I immediately just like started going to the library the downtown Calgary Public Library um which doesn't exist anymore but it was my very special place um, I went to the library all the time after school and got out all of the occult books I possibly could. Wow. And read all of the tarot books and like read all of this astrology stuff. So that's when I got into astrology too. Although that, that journey has taken off more as of late. Um, but tarot, yeah, it's just this endless world. Mm -hmm. You can just keep walking through I see it everywhere um everything is tarot now um yeah I so one of my one of the things I did when I was a teenager is I used to read tarot for strangers in this botanical garden mm. 
there's this downtown mall in Calgary that's got these, um, they're called plus 15s, but they're like walkways that go over the streets because it's super cold there in the winter. So it's this interlocking, interconnected um, downtown shopping mall with like office buildings and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you could be in the whole downtown section without leaving for, for blocks and blocks. And there's this really cool, beautiful botanical garden at the very top of one of these mall office buildings. And so I would sit in there and just like have my little tile out, tarot card readings. I didn't even charge. I, I would just read people's cards. And that's how I learned. Wow. That sounds like such a dream to be in a botanical garden, just like pulling cards for folks. I would, if I saw someone doing that in that sort of space, I would be like, wow, this is magic that I've just come across. A little punk teen. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was really fun. I have some good memories from that time. Mm. Tarot time. That's such a like long experience too. I feel like when you are at such a pivotal age, getting into that work, it, you almost sounds like grew up with the tarot, like kind of developed with it, which is really profound. Yeah. Yeah. It's been 20 years now. I mean, obviously I haven't, I don't do readings for a living. Um, mm-hmm. and I never really have, I've always done readings sort of on the side and there, there was a a period of time where I did, I did start gaining some uh, momentum doing readings with with word of mouth re- referrals and stuff. But it's never been my primary gig. I've had a lot of normie jobs, and um, but it's always it's always been there on the side. And and when I when I tried to throw it deeper to the side, where I was like, I don't have time for this. It it, it just came back to grab me even stronger. So that's where Mm. I'm at now. That's beautiful. I love the visual grabbing you because it's such a tarot thing with all the the people in hands. Yeah, the four, the aces with the hands. Yes. It just feels like that energy hearing you say that. I guess I'm curious, since you are a jewelry maker at this point, how did that come to be for you? Has that kind of been something that you have always been interested in, always been kind of artsy or how did that develop for you? Uh, Well, I've definitely always been artsy. My whole family is very artsy. I think I find that word really funny. Um, But yeah, my mom is a seamstress. My dad's a carpenter, but they're both incredible painters Mm. and um and drawers and so they actually met at art school um in back in Ontario in the 70s and so I'm the youngest and all of my siblings are very gifted and talented with 2D and 3D art you know designing clothes both my brothers work on you know cars and motorcycles which are essentially sculpture um Mm -hmm. and so after all of that tumultuous time in my teenagehood I did eventually end up going to art college and my my original goal was to get into tattooing and that never really panned out and I kind of understand why now because um, even though I might still pursue that at some time in the future um, it, there there's actually like an astrological signature in my chart that refers to goldsmiths which is I only learned about last last um, summer when I got a fixed star reading. And that was like, a, oh, even though this is a struggle, it's actually what you're meant to do. Mm. But how I got to jewelry, I ended up 10 years after I dropped out of art school the first time, <laughs> <laughs> I went back to art school as an adult. And I ended up in a sculpture class with a Swiss trained goldsmith and she was so funny and we totally hit it off and she made these incredible sculptures for our projects. And I was, I was like, 
why aren't you goldsmithing? And it was just because she, she was a permanent resident and she couldn't get a job yet. Something, something with her um, citizenship. And so she would tell me about making jewelry and stuff. And I was like, oh, it's really cool that you can make tiny sculptures out of like extremely precious materials and sell them. And that could be a way that I could like have a career in the arts, which is, mm. you know, tough. It's not easy to make it as a painter or, you know, as someone who does illustrations, right? Freelance is a, is a hard path to tread. So that's mm -hmm. why I had previously been interested in tattooing because it was a trade, like it's a physical skill. Um, and so that was, I guess, what drew me to jewelry. And after that year of art school, I switched programs and, and joined a jewelry art design program. Beautiful. Do you have, um, I know a lot of your work right now is influenced by the tarot and personally I love it because of the simplicity it like reads as every card to me when I see it I'm curious who inspired you when you were beginning your process becoming a jewelry maker oh like other other jewelers yeah if you had any mm, oh that's a good question um it's a really good question I might have to come back to that because I don't have any at the top of my mind sure um, Jewelry is an in interesting industry because there's like, there's a few different routes you can take. You can go technical, fine luxury jewelry where you're making engagement rings with diamonds. Mm -hmm. um, or you can go fashion jewelry where you're, I think that's kind of where I am because I'm making, I'm making something for people based on like my designs but then there's also narrative jewelry and mm. art jewelry where you're it's more conceptual or there's a story to tell um like I mentioned earlier before we started recording I listened to your episode with Alex Lozier and I loved that she was talking about making talismans because I think that that's a natural inclination for people who make jewelry because it's a personal item that people wear on their body. Um, right. It's very much about like what you want to be close to you and because it's precious and you can't have all the jewelry in the world that you want, mm -hmm. um, you know, unless you're the queen or something. Um, <laughs> You, you have to select things that have meaning to you. Mm. Another thing that's really interesting and like I find endlessly fascinating about jewelry is that it's about ritual. It's about connection. It's about storytelling. Mm. Um, I, work, <laughs> I worked in jewelry sales for a while. So that was always my spiel was like, this engagement ring is about the, the your love for your partner wow I'm so glad I don't do that anymore <laughs> right <laughs> but it's true like we we use those rings to signify something mm -hmm. and so that meaning and that capacity for intention to be infused into this um, creation and this object that someone is going to wear close to their heart or on their hand, possibly for the rest of their life. It's an heirloom. They're going to pass it down to their family member. That's a, that's what I find super, super compelling about jewelry as an art form and, and as a trade. Um, that's what I like about being involved in it is the, is that storytelling aspect and the connection. Mm. I hear so much reverence for the the sacredness of the object from what you're sharing and I think that when we think about jewelry sometimes the in this world we get lost in fast fashion and there's a lack of sacredness in that 
sort of mass produced jewelry item. But when it comes to something artisan, there really is something so magical about someone sitting down at their workstation and getting into the metals, into the stones or whichever um, materials they use. What is kind of your process when you drop in and start working? Well, that's a good question. I, well, for this particular project, I just have a bit of a process where I, where I start with just some doodles, you know, I'll start, mm -hmm. I'll open up my journal or my sketchbook here and just like write the name of the card at the top. And then I sort of write a list of all of the symbols and, um, objects that might be related you know i've got justice here libra venus scales sword blindfold throne pillars and then i i i put a little oval on the page or several and i just sort of fill them in um mm. so i do a lot of doodling about that but then when i actually sit down to create what i use a process called lost wax casting so mm. um what I do is I create a little wax model of the piece. And when I do that, I usually sit down and draft it all out all in one go and then do the carving um, sort of in, I don't know, a flow state. Um, sometimes I have to break it up if I don't have enough time to finish in one sitting, but typically right. I, I I like do a lot of the doodling, but then I actually do the drawing and the carving on the actual piece. Occasionally I, I screw them up and I have to start over again, but usually I, I get it all out in one go. And that's kind of satisfying. And it also feels like I'm connecting to the spirit of the tarot card by mm. being in that, in that place where I'm like working through it in my mind and it's flowing through to my hands. Mm, that's so beautiful to hear. I love when artists talk about their flow state because that is like the peak, the peak of, I feel like every artist desires to reach that. What card has been where you felt the most connected to that kind of flow state for yourself, maybe recently or just in all of time? Um, I really liked doing the high priestess that was actually one of the first ones I did and it was I knew it was going to be challenging but I also mm. was really happy with um the design I ended up settling on and it just sort of came out while I was doing it um but that one's a hard one because there's so much symbolism but it's it's also you know intentionally veiled so it's, it's right. an interesting um an interesting one to tangle with, but I love the high priestess. I'm a cancer moon, cancer rising. So the connection to that card is mm. I, when I, you know, when I first started learning tarot, I was like, oh, that's me. That's <laughs> that one. That's the tarot reader. So I love <laughs> that. that. Satisfying. Yes. And I love that you, you mentioned astrology. Um, I might be getting a little ahead of myself asking this, but you mentioned that you are working with astrology more. Do you think that's something you'll be incorporating into um, like pendants or any sort of jewelry that you're making in the future? Yes. Um, mm -hmm. I'm working on, I'm working on some astrology inspired pieces right now. Actually, I'll, I will probably have them ready to go soon. Um, it's funny. So when I started this project, I, it was a Kickstarter and it's just wild to me how much I've learned and how much my like brain has exploded in the last two years since I've done that. Because once I put that work out into the world for the Kickstarter, um, campaign, I did the four aces. Hmm. And, and the, the concept was like, I had these designs where they were, you know, based on the four aces and my, my 
conceptualization of them. And then on the back, I had sort of an astrology inspired sigil. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to approach sigil magic, but the idea was that people would get the pendant and then they could charge it with their intention. Hmm. I mean, I think everything that I make is also charged with my intention. Um, mm -hmm. And so once I started going down that rabbit hole of like sigil magic and, you know, tarot and astrological correspondences, which I had some understanding of and background in, um, I got even deeper into, you know, traditional astrology and then, oh, there's astrological magic and, oh, you can make astrological talismans at a specific time to harness the spirit of the planets. Wow. Galaxy brain. And there's people like incredibly talented and devoted astrological mages who are doing this and like making beautiful jewelry. But a lot of those people are, are not actually jewelry makers. So they buy pre-made jewelry and then they do the, the magical component um, with, with that jewelry. Um, so I kind of came to it from the back because I know how to make jewelry mm -hmm. and it, it kind of clicked into my brain. Oh, all of these things I've learned in my life are now coming together. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, wow. That has taken me on a bit of a, a really, really great off-road journey, um, so I, I was working a lot, trying to maintain this, this tarot jewelry project that was growing into a business. I'm like staying up until two in the morning, studying astrology every night. Whoa. <laughs> and, the, and then I just realized I couldn't do my full-time job and do everything. So I'm actually on a leave from my job right now, which is allowing me to, to really explore all of these things that I feel passionate about. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. What, what is your uh, other job? If you don't mind me asking. Well, I work in a jewelry college. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I do teach, I teach jewelry making, but I also was like the primary studio technician mm -hmm. um, in the program that I graduated from. Beautiful. It's always nice to hear people who, you know, a lot of us artists have to have the side hustle, but it, it sounds in alignment, which is always beautiful to hear. Oh yeah. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly privileged and super grateful for the opportunities that have come to me. And I do work my buns off, but um, sure. I've, I've had a lot of good luck with, with my connections. Mm hmm right place, right time things. But isn't that astrology? Yes. Uh, I, I had no idea about, well, you know, I, as someone who is into astrology, there's always that magic of intentionality and be, bringing awareness, but the magic of really harnessing that energy and infusing it into jewelry just sounds incredibly Beautiful. And before we get too far ahead, you are good sigil is your brand. Yeah. Um, I would love for you to explain for anyone who might not know what sigil um, means. I have learned it as one thing. So I'm always curious how other people and in, internalize it. Um, but I'd love for you to explain what that means or maybe how it relates to you personally. Ooh, that's a good grade. Grade, good grade question. That's a good question. Um, I named my business Good Sigil because I had recently taken um, my husband's name, Goodspeed. Mm. And I honestly never thought that that was something that I would do. I didn't even think I would ever get married, let alone like take someone's name. It's a really weird traditional thing to do but I love that name so much it is really and cool so it's pretty sweet it's very not too fast not too slow it's a good speed um 
<laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I wanted to, I don't even, I, I think it just occurred to me one day, I was like, good sigil. Um, so a sigil is a, a few different things. There's actually a lot of different ways to approach sigils, but typically the my understanding of, of sigil magic is that you would write a phrase or intention and then you identify all of the letters in that phrase. So it would be, you know, like something that you want to come to pass or like a quality that you wish to have. So you could write the phrase, I, I am strong like a tiger or I am loved infinitely. And so you would write that phrase out and then um, take out all of the duplicate letters and the letters that you're left with, you combine them into a, like a, a designed sort of word form where the letters aren't necessarily legible, but they create sort of a little um, sigil, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, a little symbol. And so you get the power of those words and intention. And then, I mean, there's different ways to, to work with that. Um, some people say that you should burn it. Some people use like the aspects of sex magic to charge it. You know, mm -hmm. some people just hold the, the image in their mind and meditate or, um, but there's also more loose sort of interpretations of the word sigil, you know, Game of Thrones, each of the big houses had a sigil, right? Like the Starks have a wolf and the Lannisters have a lion. So I like the, I like the word sigil because it has that, that root, you know, S-I-G, the sign. Mm -hmm. um, there's also signet rings in jewelry where that's usually got like a coat of arms or a crest or a sigil and you mm. use that as like a wax seal. Mm -hmm. So that, that sort of signs and seals concept kind of harkens back to a type of traditional jewelry, that, that signet ring idea and the family crest, but also the, the concept that you can put meaning into that particular design, right? Right. Mm. That's so cool to, to hear because my understanding of sigil is way more abstract not as like um more of like a a channeling of a symbol for a certain energy was how my understanding was for it so I feel like that makes a lot more sense the different ways of like breaking down the words and and combining yeah. that power that's, I think your understanding of it is totally appropriate too and that's actually probably more how I'm doing things I'm not actually writing out phrases and um words when I'm when I'm creating the little sigils for my my tarot pieces they're more just like um syncretic like combinations of different symbols to reference the idea that's in the card and I do I don't know if I'm channeling them but I do kind of just like let it come to me and then right. that is what it is that's beautiful what kind of inspired, what inspired you to do the Kickstarter specifically? Well, you know, pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, like many, many people, I got laid off from one of my jobs and, mm. and I hated that job. Um, and it was sucking my soul. I learned a lot there and I'm very grateful for the opportunity, but it was um, not a, not the right fit for me. And so finally being freed from that situation allowed me to have a reconnection to my creativity and a reconnection to tarot and that spiritual practice up until 2020 spring 2020 i had i had kind of gone in the like i'm going to try to be a normal adult mm. direction for a few years there and i wasn't doing tarot and i wasn't indulging indulging is the wrong word, but I wasn't like allowing myself to do those things that bring me joy. Right. Um, and I was working really hard and 
really stressed out and there was a lot of circumstances in my life that I was fighting against. And so when the pandemic started, I was like, oh, this, I can maybe do something that I, that I actually want to do because everything else is on pause. And I had a friend who had done a, a Kickstarter in the past and she was like, I can just coach you through the whole thing. We went on a walk. She was like, this is what you do. Mm. And, and laid it out for me. And then I just made it my project and, and did it. And I tried to spend as little money as possible on it because I was like, I have no idea if this is going to pan out. I really, really didn't think it was going to, but it ended up being quite successful and I made a bunch of new contacts and and actually that was how I ended up getting more involved with an astrology scene on like Instagram and Twitter. I think it's so powerful hearing that story that it would be the aces that you would be depicting when there is this very ace time of your life that came about. I I just I'm really in awe of that, like synchronicity. I, of course, maybe it was intentional, but in hearing, like being let go of your job, which congratulations on losing your job. That was sucking (laughs) your soul. Um, I, I just think it's so like potent that the seed that you planted that you are germinating and and making this jewelry was planted in this time and that it would be the aces that really to me represent that little seed that little offering from the universe of like here's a different here's something here's something new and different for you to just grasp and enjoy the aces yeah yeah actually it's interesting because I had designed those original aces back in in college like when I was doing my jewelry program and so wow uh, I ran into a lot of um issues when I finished school oh yeah that was my Saturn return (laughs) Mm. (laughs) um, it was really tough and I I didn't even think I was going to make jewelry at all I was like I'm just going to end up like working in this industry and not actually making it and um, and I guess it just took a, a bit of uh, ripening. I'm mm-hmm. now at the, the Saturn, the opening Saturn square from my return. So Saturn is currently square, my Saturn. What was uh, your Saturn, your natal Saturn? I'm a, I'm a Saturn in Scorpio. Ooh. Yeah. That's, I... I just feel so watery and like mysterious Saturn and Scorpio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a good cohort. The Saturn and Pluto, Saturn and Scorpio. We're we're, um, kind of dark people, but Mm -hmm. like dark sided. I have a I have a proclivity for all things goth. Um, Yeah. It makes sense that there would be this connection to the esoteric as well. Again, going back to the seed that was being planted from college that you're like now harvesting and, Mm -hmm. and creating, it just is like, this is such an esoteric energy that definitely feels like Scorpio and Saturn. Now that you're saying this, I'm like, oh yes, this is very Scorpio and Saturn. I love it. Or Saturn and Scorpio rather. I love that, that like reflection. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool to look at um, to look at your chart and see those those influences and how they play out. Um, yeah, you mentioned you had a on that note of astrology. You mentioned that you had a reading last year um, related to gold. Maybe I'm forgetting the words exactly. Mm. But I'm curious, what is that placement? Just so I can like. Oh, okay, it's it. not a it's not a particular planetary placement I Mm. so the reading I had um was with my friend Veronica tending the guiding flame on Instagram Mm. and they are were working with something called uh, I'm going to say this wrong it's the way to refer to it is 
star fixed star parans or paranella oh i can't say it um but it's an ancient technique where where the the fixed stars so the stars beyond the ecliptic some of them are in the ecliptic like that zodiac belt that we interact with um, mm -hmm. for the signs those stars will have connections in space and time to the planets and angles in your chart and so there's a particular star that is um, connected to my midheaven which is this star called shadar i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right but it means breast and it's the left breast of the queen cassiopeia which is this constellation that i was obsessed with when i was a kid it's like the queen and her throne it's mm. like a w sort of chair shape in the sky mm -hmm. and um yeah that star is apparently supposed to indicate goldsmiths and craftspeople that's so fascinating the more it's i on hear heaven the more I hear about astrology, the more I realize I have, I don't know. I've never heard of, of that, um, of it's that a, work. It's a pretty niche technique, but there's this whole revival in, in, um, astrology right now for the past 20 years, because they've been able to finally translate a lot of ancient texts. And so we're, we're able to use all of the modern technology we have and all of the, the psychoanalysis and that stuff. But then we're also able to go back and learn how the ancients practiced astrology, mm. or at least how we could conceive of them practicing it. And that's so that's one of the most magical techniques. It's super cool. That sounds so potent, too, that you already had a connection to this um, group of stars, this formation. That, there's so much magic in this story of your life. I really am loving it. <laughs> Yeah, I think most people who have even had like short interactions with me probably know that I'm a bit, um, I'm not, I'm not like always fully present because I have, I'm like connected to something else that's going on outside of me. Sure. <laughs> Some people would call that magical, but it's a, it can be a distraction sometimes. Sure. Magic is, is often a distraction, but also in a good way. I feel like, oh yeah. <laughs> I'd love to know also what your, your dreams are as far as like where you see your work going. I know we kind of talked about, um, astrology a little bit, but I'm curious your big picture for your work or, or just yourself in general. That's a great question. You are now my career counselor. <laughs> Honestly, I have always been just opening the doors that I walk up to, you know, like, mm. or the door will open as I'm walking by it and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to go in here. Um, I don't have a super formed plan right now. There's, I have a bit of a concern that if I, if I push too hard, I will end up with something that's bigger than I want it to be mm. um, in terms of, of jewelry, because I do have some physical limitations. Like I get really bad tendonitis. And for instance, my neck is totally seized up right now. Um, so I can't, I can't do a lot more than I'm already doing. And so for me, I think it's more about doing several different things. Um, so teaching is one of those. I teach jewelry, making skills and do workshops and stuff. Um, I also teach, I will be teaching gemology and, uh, you know, tarot consultations, astrological cons consultations, and then also the jewelry, just so that that's not the only thing I'm doing because I will actually physically destroy my hands. <laughs> That's a good point. I feel like a lot of artists that I have met and even myself, I go, I've gone through periods where I feel like as artists, we tend to push ourselves a lot because inspiration pushes us to continue past a place of 
physical comfort all the yes. time. And so I think Often. that's very important to like remember, especially in a capitalistic world, mm-hmm. the the work-life balance is beautiful. And especially teaching, I feel like teaching is such a beautiful thing for artists. I, I don't know if that's how you feel as well, but such a powerful moment of of integrating and and sharing what you do. Oh yeah. Yeah, teaching is cool. Um, it's something that I just sort of fell into, um, and I feel very lucky for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember, you know, when you were a little kid, and they're like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I was always teacher, teacher, because mm-hmm. I loved school and I loved my teachers, and I just, you know, I wanted to be a teacher. And I don't think I would want to be an elementary school or a high school teacher, but I love, I love teaching adults. Um, it's really fun. That is beautiful. Well, Janet, I would love for you to share with everyone listening where they can connect with you, find you, um, and all of those good things. My main hub is my website, which is www.goodsigil.com, G-O-O-D-S-I-G-I-L.com. And I have a newsletter that goes out a couple of times a month that has, you know, general updates and sort of behind the scenes stuff, as well as the occasional discount code. So I encourage people to sign up to that because I do use Instagram, same moniker, good sigil, uh, but Instagram has been tough lately. Yeah. And I, you know, everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm also on Twitter that is like same, same handle good sigil. And that's where I do a lot of my astrology, speaking astrology with other people who speak astrology. And that is really, really fun. So if you're on there, I, I'm super into that. Awesome. Well, I will definitely one be signing up for the newsletter because I'm a bitch that loves a good jewelry discount (laughs) when it can happen. And thank you so much for sharing your work with me and us, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was really, really fun. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I, I can't wait to connect with more people. Awesome.